Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series dedicated to helping all of us talk more openly about money. Each show features a special guest who will share with you one of their favorite money myths. Then together, we will discuss how to bust that myth wide open. My name is Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, and I'm your host. My company, KBK Wealth Connection, is committed to helping women, couples, families, and their financial teams shatter money taboos and learn how to effectively talk about money. Each week, I am joined by a wonderful guest. Today, her name is Ellen Rogan. And let me tell you a little bit about Ellen before we dive into her money myth. Ellen Rogan is a CPA and a CFP. She's also the author of a New York Times bestseller, uh, Picture Your Prosperity, Smart Money Moves to Turn Your Vision into Reality. She's the president of a wealth management firm outside of Chicago, and uh, her accolades go on and on. She's appeared on PBS Nightly Business Report, CNBC, um, local TV shows in Chicago. She's certainly presented at a variety of conferences. She's presented at TEDx and been interviewed by NPR. Her work has been quoted in national publications, anywhere from the New York Times to Money, Time.com, Forbes.com, the Huffington Post, U.S. News, and World Report. And what I especially appreciate about Ellen is that uh, she is comfortable talking about the power of compound interest, which I can always use an update on, <laughs> as well as the power of belief. So welcome, Ellen, to the show. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm thrilled to have you. And why don't you tell our listeners what your money myth is that you'd like to bust wide open today? Yeah, so my money myth is that money can't buy you happiness. And I know that sounds weird, but money can't buy you happiness. I think that's a myth. Well, and what's interesting is it's such a popular myth. So I'm really glad that you picked that one. Now, tell me a little bit. What motivated you out of all the money myths, I'm sure you hear in your office and your job as a financial planner, to pick that one? Yeah, so there was some very interesting research that was done about happiness levels and money. And it was actually done in, at Stanford. And um, what they found is that money can buy you happiness if you use it to help others. Really? Excellent. Tell, so is there a certain amount of money or? Well, there's popular research out there that if you get past a certain amount of money, I think it's like $72,000 of income that a little bit more money doesn't make you happier. Mm -hmm. But then again, what they, they've done, they did research and they gave people money to actually some people they were told to give it away and some people they were told to use it on themselves and then they rank their happiness levels. And so, you know, what happens is when we are using our money to support whatever, other people in our lives, people that we know, people at charities that we uh, feel are important, it actually boosts our happiness levels. And um, there was also some really interesting research about something called subjective wealth, which basically says that when you make charitable contributions, you process it in your brain that makes you feel actually wealthier, which is a little counterintuitive because you're giving money away, but it makes you feel wealthier. And they found that giving $500 away gives you the same kind of buzz as it would getting a $10,000 raise. I love that. So it probably is processed in a different part of your brain when you're giving versus when you're spending on yourself. 
I imagine you would know more than me based on your background <laughs> in terms of that. I'll have to look into the research, but that's fascinating to me. So when, when you say to people, when you say to clients or you say to your friends or even you say to yourself, money can't buy happiness, um, tell me a little bit as to why you think people uh, believe that it uh, buys happiness and how that money myth might get in the way. Yeah, well, there's all sorts of stuff that people have around having more money. So if someone has this actually core belief that money cannot buy you happiness, and there, it almost in, um, has some impact in terms of them feeling like there's something not okay about having money too, right? That if there's something dirty about it or all those um, um, axioms, is that the right word, or phrases that we were brought up hearing about like, um, uh, money can't buy you happiness. Money doesn't grow in trees. Filthy money, dirty money. Yes. You yep. know, there's like this icky thing that some people internalize. They might not even realize it consciously, but they have around money. Um, and some people, if they're very spiritual in their lives or feel like, oh, I'm beyond thinking that money is a good thing, you know, from a practical standpoint, you know, you think about the good work that can be done in the world and to causes that are important. Um, you just look at what Bill and Melinda Gates do, like er, almost eradicated um, malaria because of uh, the work they do, helping in education, like money can make a huge difference and you don't actually have to be Bill or Melinda Gates or Warren Buffett to make a difference with your money. Even small amounts of money can not only make you feel good, but can make a difference for charities and causes that are important to you. Well, and the thing that I think is interesting that you're distinguishing is often when we think money can't can't buy happiness or uh, money will buy happiness is what people buy into a lot is the fact that you're talking about the difference between actually having it yourself versus giving it away. And so you can have extreme wealth. We, we probably know people like this who have a lot of wealth who aren't happy and those who are. And so the right. research and then also it sounds like your experience is that those who are more charitable or use it probably aligning to their values um, tend to actually be happier than those who might buy material goods. Yeah, and I think there's this consciousness around that, right? So if people are just buying, well, there's been lots of studies that show materialism does not bring you lasting happiness, right? Experiences bring you more happiness. Giving and charitable work bring more happiness. Um, but there's, as if someone's really deliberate about their charitable giving, it means that they have more consciousness also around what they're spending on. Because I think that most of my experience with clients and people in general is that people are not very conscious. They just spend and do stuff and without taking the step back to say, is this something I, that I really value? And it's fine to spend money on experiences and stuff too. I'm not saying like it's all, you know, for the greater good, but it, there's a um, an ability to enjoy things um, when you're more conscious about your spending and also when you're supporting others in your life. Absolutely. In fact, uh, it, it, true confessions. Over the weekend, I was with a girlfriend and um, the skiing up here in Vermont wasn't very good. So around one o'clock, we decided we'd go and uh, go to this little cute retail boutique shop. And so I walk in and I end up buying um, two items, a pair of jeans and this actually awesome top that I've wanted. It, and both of them were on sale, which is one of my money scripts that it needs to be on sale. Um, but the reason I bring this up is I got to the counter, I charged it, I got into the car and I looked at her, I said, I have no idea how much I just spent. Yeah. And so being that unconscious 
um, is is certainly, as a well psychology expert, not something I recommend people do. But to be in that moment and realize, wow, that's how unconscious I was. I mean, I love the items I got. I still love them. Otherwise, I were to return them. But that unconsciousness, I think, is what you're talking about, that many of us kind of just get into that mode when we're in the mall or in a shop or, or buying things online. Yeah, and I think there's dopamine that um, is um, released when you get something on sale, you feel like you get a deal. So it's actually something that's happening in your brain that um, gives you a buzz from doing that. That's how I am on Black Friday. Like I love, <laughs> I get up early and I love the fact that stores are open on Ellen time. So like I'm there at five in the morning. I think it's great. And then, um, and it's because there's this, this buzz that we get from doing that. So it's also just being aware, like I've realized that that's entertainment for me. So I've totally reframed that instead of wasting money. Like, I don't go to sporting events or concerts. I like, okay, I think that's fun. Other people, but there's some, you know, to the extent that you can be aware of that and deliberate is is really helpful. Well, and when I look back over this past weekend and I think about what really stands out, what what was it about this weekend that was really valuable and brought happiness? It was not the pair of jeans and the the. Uh, sweater I bought. It certainly was the time together laughing and playing games and having that experience. So um, while that's just my experience, it kind of played out over the weekend and I wasn't conscious of it until we just chatted about it right now. Um, So for you, has it ever personally or even, you know, professionally, you see people all the time, but has it ever personally gotten in the way, uh, this myth that money can't buy happiness? I would say I would use it as like busting that myth I think has been a big prosperity driver. So I believe and have seen this from experience and have people anecdotally tell me this, that when you give more, and I mean charitable dollars, things flow back to you. And I relate this back to, I think back in 2008 when people had this big grip on their money. They were people, everyone was so scared they wouldn't have enough. And I'm, you can't see me now because this is radio recording, but I'm making a fist right now, like (laughs) clenching on so tightly to what people, you know, to what people had. And um, when people were in that place of, I'm not going to be okay, I don't have enough, just at the time when charities needed more money, um, holding on is a very kind of scarcity focused negative way to think about things. And when you can loosen your grip on money and use it to help others, it's kind of like metaphorically and I think energetically, I'm opening my palms now, like I'm out there helping people. It allows money to flow back. So I've, um, back when I wrote my first book, Great With Money, in the um, the first edition was, we started writing it in 2002, I set up an automatic um, giving account, just like I have automatic savings and we know financial advisors will always tell you to set up, pay yourself first and set up automatic savings. Well, I started taking a percentage of my income and moving it into a savings account. I do it quarterly and that account is earmarked for giving. And then during the year, my husband and I can be really deliberate about the gifts, charitable gifts that we make or way we support our friends in their charitable work. And even through 2008, in that fall, when I was deciding whether or not I should put my mo- that money into that charitable account, I said yes, because this is a value that we have and really important. And I will say by the end of that year, my income was not down. And that was pretty rare for financial advisors that year. Now, was it directly related to that? I don't know, but it's a practice that I really believe um, comes back and supports me. 
You know, it's so fascinating because it's you read about all this stuff and, and certainly your book I highly recommend, but you read about, you know, when you give, you get more and all all that type of thing. And it's not until, at least from my experience has been, it's not until you actually experience it. And I've had clients who have experienced this. I've experienced it. Something very similar to what you're talking about, that if you are um, allowing yourself to give and to be aligned with your values, then what ends up happening is you actually, at least business-wise, I've ended up being much more profitable um, when the fear is always that you're going to run out of money. Now, Money can't buy happiness. We've talked about how that is a, is a myth, um, and how you know how it potentially could get in the way. But how can it serve you? Is there any way in which this myth can serve people? Oh, sure. You know, if we take it just at face value about this conversation um, about materialism, right? So um, it can't buy you happiness if you're looking for it to increase your happiness level just based on your stuff, the stuff that you have, right? Um, So, you know, knowing that may help some people say, okay, maybe I won't buy as much stuff. It's not going to make me happier. You know, people that have major overspending issues are probably trying to compensate for something and that kind of myth of money can't buy you happiness is probably really healthy for them to sit in that space. So to really use it and think about, well, to back up, let me catch myself here, to almost back up and instead of instead of buying into uh, the myth, money can't buy happiness, to really think about what, what what is the purpose of money in my life? What's going to bring me happiness in my life and how can I use my money um, or my financial resources to uh, support that? Um, so I'm curious, like if, if somebody's listening and they go, you know, I'm, I'm kind of confused because my whole life and everything on the TV, all the ads say, if I get stuff, I get happy. And, <laughs> and you two are telling me that that's not the case based on research and personal experience and working with clients. Um, what advice would you give that person who's listening in and is still kind of skeptical at the fact that this is a money myth? Yeah. Okay. So two, um, Two things. One is you said try it. You know, if you were to put money away in a separate account, a percentage of your income to be given away to causes or people or whatever, um, you know, could really benefit from that and notice how you feel and see how that works for you, um, you know, would, would certainly be one. And um, and the second one just escaped, and it'll come back. <laughs> That's okay. I, I have a question that might help you kind of circle back to it, or it might yes. get you off on a total tangent. I'm not sure. Um, but I, I can't help, given my background in um, gender and being gender savvy and gender intelligence, to not ask, um, is there a way in which that this, like, you know, giving money to charity and, and being charitable leads to happiness or greater satisfaction is there any gender divide with that? Is it more women feel that way versus men? And and this doesn't have to be research-based. This could just be what you observe. Or is that just me kind of having that one perspective, that one hat on that sometimes gets in the way when I'm looking at the big picture? So the research that I saw did not distinguish between gender. Um, I would say some research I've seen and through personal experience that women tend to be bigger volunteers the men, they'll bring the men along with them, you know, for volunteer vacations, for example. It's usually the woman that plans it and brings the guy along. Um, I will say that one of, you know, some of the 
work that I'm really passionate about is for women to really be so standing in their power around money and so past the conversation of, am I going to be okay? Of course, you want to get that question answered. But what I see women being able to do is make a huge difference in the world with their money. I mean, some of um, the research, which I know you know, is in terms of when women have money, they use it to support their families and their communities. They see this with microloans. Yes, yep. Right, where guys um, in general, so I'm not stereotyping, but I am, you know, use it for liquor and women and stuff that is more them focused in other parts of the world and probably here in the United States too, and women don't. And so um, I get really excited about this conversation personally for women because as there's $25 trillion that's going to be transferring to women in our country in the next 20 years, and if even 10% of that money was used for positive change, the world will look different. I mean, every child on the planet could be educated, every person fed, money for research for autism, Alzheimer's, and breast cancer could increase a thousandfold. I mean, we have the opportunity to really make a difference and imagine how good we'll all feel then. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. And and so basically when you say women are afraid that they're going to uh, run out of money or not have enough and they need to get that answer, what you're talking about is sitting down with a professional like yourself and really figuring out what's the cash flow, um, what, what do you have available in the future? And then once you know you're going to be okay, then start to look at these other things, um, such as the charitable giving or figuring out how you can align your values, uh, even just with your you know resources of time in terms of volunteering. Is that correct? Absolutely. And, you know, I'd say over the years, I've been being, I've been a financial advisor for quite a long time now, and I have never had a man or a woman come into my office and say, how much can I give? It's usually the first question is, am I going to have enough, which is understandable, but I would love to see that conversation changing. Right. And and so in some ways, what popped into my mind was Psychology 101 with the Maslow hierarchy of needs. Yeah. Am I going to have food and shelter? And if so, then let's get to the higher the higher stuff. And what you're talking about is really helping people um, get to that higher place and, and being more um, prosperity focused. So tell the listeners a little bit about your book and a little bit about the nice offer that you uh, made uh, prior to us starting this interview uh, for the listeners. Sure. So um, my book um, that came out in January of last year called Picture Your Prosperity, Smart Money Moves to Turn Your Vision into Reality, is really a look at how to combine your vision of what you so desire to have in your life with practical strategies to get there. And We walk people through creating a visual financial plan. Um, people have really loved this. It's fun. Lisa, my co-author, and I think we're funny. So we try to write a less granular, more easy to absorb, but really helpful personal financial book um and you know people are liking it it hit the new york times bestseller list which is left. awesome just yeah. as an author i just admire that so much that's really great thanks thanks and so for um the listeners for you that some of these concepts sound interesting i really wanted to provide some free resources for you so if you go to ellenrogan.com forward slash goodies um, so that's E-L-L-E-N-R-O-G-I-N, forwards.com, forward slash goodies. I have um, two prosperity meditations for you. It's um, a way to start to 
work on your subconscious a little bit, relax around money, and then also um, a special report, How to Raise Money Smart Children, which may be of interest to some of you. So all that, there's no fee or anything for you. I just wanted to provide some extra resources. That's great. And just know if you are listening uh, to this podcast, chances are you can look down in the description and that link will be right there to make it really easy for you. We'll put a link to Ellen's uh, book um, and also a link to these free resources. Um, Boy, 20 minutes goes really fast. Um, It's been great to talk to you. I feel like there's so many different directions we we could go. So um, I would love to have you back sometime in the future to continue this dialogue. It would be my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. So thank you, everybody, for listening to Breaking Money Silence. I'm Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert and author dedicated to getting people talking about money matters. For more information about my book, speaking services, and other resources, please visit my website at www.kbkwealthconnection.com. Until next time, keep the conversation going.